Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the V-Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V-Auto. We're recording this episode as the month of June 2020 comes to a close. That means we're roughly two and a half months past the point where the wholesale and retail markets for used vehicles effectively shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And in the time since then, the strength of retail demand has been surprising and even unprecedented. Across the industry, dealers are asking, what's going on? Why is retail demand so resilient given everything that's happened? And how long can this last? For today's episode, we're going to discuss, if not clearly answer, these questions. And to do so, I've asked Viato founder and Cox Automotive Executive Vice President Dale Pollack to join the conversation. Dale, good morning, and thank you for joining today's podcast. Thanks, Lance. I really appreciate it. You know, you said we will discuss and clearly answer these questions. I wish I could say that we could definitely clearly answer these questions of how long it's going to last. I think we have some ideas. Uh, certainly, we have a hypothesis, but I guess I would stop a little bit short of saying we could clearly answer these questions because I don't know that anyone really can. It's such a wacky market these days, but we'll give it a go. Fair, a fair point. Fair point. Uh, now, Dale, maybe as a place for us to get started, I, I know that you spend significant time each week in calls and conversations with a lot of really smart people at Cox Automotive. You're looking at and tracking market trends. I thought maybe we should share, if you would, share a little background in this group and the types of data that you guys are looking at. Uh, perhaps we can do that as a precursor to answering some of those questions. Sure. You know, I'm almost a little bit embarrassed, Lance, because I've been a part of the Cox organization now for 10 years. And I have discovered just in the last several months a uh, brain trust that I never uh, understood or knew was there. You know, I, I've been looking at retail data very closely for the past 10 years and much with the assistance of some very smart people at the auto, mainly Chris Dutzman. Since the COVID crisis, we have connected, Chris and I, with a brain trust of people at Mannheim that are every bit in tune with the market as Chris and I have been uh, but they're on the wholesale side, us being on the retail side. Again, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I never sought out uh, this sort of insight from the wholesale market to the level that I have recently. And it's fascinating that, uh, A, to learn who these people are. It's, they're very impressive. Their backgrounds are impressive. They're degreed people. They're people who have uh, really deep experience in the uh, wholesale markets. And, uh, and when you connect their insight and their information and knowledge with the retail, you get a holistic perspective that, uh, that really it's just like magic almost that you can begin to make some connections and understand some relationships that quite frankly eluded me in the past. There's a consumer side there too, isn't there, Dale? Yeah, there is a consumer side. And, you know, it, it, honestly, maybe that's a place yet for me to do some more uh, discovery because I'm sure that just as uh, there's this brain trust of people on the wholesale side, there's a brain trust of people on the consumer side. And, you know, with our consumer presence at KBB and, uh, and Auto Trader and Bin Solutions, we have, we have consumer data, consumer behavior data that honestly I've yet to really 
uh, plug in to the retail sales and wholesale sales data. So uh, it's interesting. After 10 years in this organization, I'm still discovering. And uh, quite frankly, it's kind of fun and rewarding. That's what a life of learning is all about, indeed. Well, let's let's get to the, one of these key questions, Dale. From what the group is studying and looking at, what have you guys landed on as far as factors maybe or reasons why retail demand seems to be so resilient at this time? Uh, seems to be. It is. I mean, <laughs> okay. honestly, in a million years, Lance, I never would have never would have agreed with anyone that might have said that we would experience retail sales at the volume that we've experienced them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when you look at all the uh, external market uh, factors like unemployment, you know, and, and the number of people who are who are getting subsidies and the number of businesses that are closing, you just couldn't imagine that this would create an environment where people would want to go out and buy cars, mm-hmm. let alone buy cars in the, in the volume levels that we've seen. And yet this is exactly what they've done. So it's been a head scratcher. Yeah. Uh, I have the opportunity on a weekly basis to speak with economists at the Federal Reserve, and this is a question that for the last uh, two months, every week, we've been pondering, how is it that people are buying cars in this quantity? Well, I guess we have a hypothesis now. And this is a hypothesis that's been uh, put together by Chris Dutzman and I at The Auto and some of these folks that I've talked about, the Brain Trust at Mannheim and Jonathan Smoker, our chief economist. So here's here's the best shot that I have or we have. And, and we've characterized it as the four C's. So the first C is credit. In order to have healthy uh, retail automotive sales, you have to have a healthy credit market. And the credit markets are functioning. Um, the asset-backed securities uh, markets are, are working, which means that banks have liquidity and willingness to loan. So we have credit. The, the one thing about the credit markets, however, is that they have tightened up a bit on the loan-to-value. So they're not advancing to the same extent that they might have been done in the past, but they are nevertheless making loans. And that brings me to the second C, which is cash. You know, if, if you go in to finance a vehicle that requires $23,000 and the bank will only loan $18,000, you're 5000 short. But guess what? People have cash in their pockets, even if they're laid off and, and are, are in unemployment. It's amazing when you stop and think about it that the federal government gave people on unemployment an extra $600 a week. And if you divide that by 40 hours, that's $15 an hour. And $15 an hour is more hourly wage than uh, most hourly wage earners make. So people who are not working are getting paid on top of their unemployment uh, more weekly salary than they would have been made had they been working. And at the same time, if they're either furloughed or or sort of locked down in this COVID uh, shelter-in-place environment, they're probably not spending as much money as they previously have. Hmm. So household savings are going up. People clearly have cash. So they got credit. They've got cash. And then that brings us to the third C, which is confidence. I think it's fair to say that that most people who are furloughed or laid off are pretty confident they're coming back to work. And one of the things that really startled me is that Jonathan Smoke, uh, our our chief economist, uh, does a lot of research every week. and, And one of the fascinating things that he revealed for us is that when people were asked about their top 10 concerns, think about this. What are your top 10 concerns? You know where employment 
made the list. You would think would be high. You'd think be high, right? Top three. It was, it was number seven. Hmm. There were six other concerns that people listed before employment. And by the way, the my first question was, well, who in the world did you survey? Well, he surveyed a broad enough range of people to, to correlate with federal unemployment. So he's talking to a fair number of people that are unemployed and their concern over employment, notwithstanding the fact that they may have been laid off or furloughed, was still number seven. So what are people concerned about? They're concerned about the election. They're concerned about the infection, obviously infection being number one. Mm -hmm. uh, they're concerned about civil unrest, lots of things. Number seven, employment. So if that doesn't speak to the level of confidence that people have, uh, nothing would. And I think it's fair to say that it's probably going to be longer before people are called back to work than they might have thought. And perhaps some of those people will never be called back to work, but yet they still have confidence. So confidence is yet another really key factor to the strong volume of car sales. And, and then the third C is cheap. <laughs> Credit interest rates are historically low. So you put all those factors together and you can begin to understand possibly why people feel like this is a pretty good time to buy a used car. And then, you know, there's some other factors too. Use or new vehicle inventories are short. So yeah. maybe some of those people who would have bought new cars are buying used cars. Also, there was about a six or eight week period in March and April when, you know, basically nobody bought a car. And those are typically some of the strongest sales weeks of the year. You know, you're right in that uh, tax refund season. Mm -hmm. So maybe some of what we've experienced uh, lately has to do with pent up demand. But, you know, all these uh, factors go into a cocktail that really bespeaks a, a, a possible reason for the strong sales that we've had up to this point. I'm, I'm curious, Dale, in that research, now this doesn't necessarily fit neatly into the four C's that you've outlined here, but to what degree are people maybe buying used cars because they don't want to ride a bus or a train, you know, to get to where right. they previously went? Yeah, for sure, Lance. That's another factor. Uh, there definitely are some people who are abandoning mass transportation, you know, buses and, and trains and buying used cars. So that is, in fact, yet another contributing factor to strong sales. Now, as you as the group, I, one of the other questions I guess we've we've asked about here is how long might this last? This strength, this resiliency, the the four C's that are driving it. What, what's the outlook there? Okay, so this is a key question, and, and some people might say, you know, who cares? Well, you yeah. definitely have to care. You definitely have to care, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because I've seen this repeatedly throughout my career. Whenever we go through periods of strong sales, used car operators feel empowered. They, they get the sense that, oh, my gosh, I can sell any car I can get my hands on. Mm -hmm. Let me buy as many cars as I can. And, and that might actually be the case in the moment. But things change and, and things do change. And when they do change right after you've had that sort of strong sales experience, what happens is that dealers find themselves long on inventory and they find themselves long on inventory that they own for too much money. And then they end up giving back a lot of that extra money that they made through that strong period, you know, selling through some old uh, inventory that they own for too much money. So it really is important to try and have a perspective on the future. And, and the first thing that I'd say in terms of having a perspective on the future is that nobody can predict the future consistently. Mm -hmm. You can hit it right sometimes and you'll get it at best 50% of the time. So the very best advice I can give a dealer is to stock 
no more vehicles than they sold in the last rolling 30-day period. And if they do that, they'll never find themselves too much out of shape. If they do that, it is possible that there might be some moments where they might have sold more vehicles if they only had more vehicles. But that is a reasonable price to pay to avoid those situations where it goes the other way and you find yourself with more vehicles. So, so perhaps the, the best way to predict the future is not to predict the future, but rather to buy and sell vehicles in the moment of the market, which is a 30-day period. Now, if you are going to look out beyond and say, okay, what does maybe the third and fourth quarter of this year hold? Yeah. And by the way, the, the date today of this conversation that we're having is Friday, June 26th. So to keep that in reference, the best consensus, and it's only a hypothesis that we have, is that we will likely see a softening of retail sales in August, beginning in August, and perhaps maybe even July. So so here are the factors that, that give us this uh, this feeling. Number one, if you are furloughed or, or laid off and collecting unemployment, I believe it's a 39-week period, you're able to get employment. Yep. You're able to back claim it to the date of your uh, unemployment. So so if you run that clock basically from March 15th, unemployment will end in October for most people. Now, again, the government may change this, and this is one of the variables that could change the outlook. But if the government uh, doesn't change its unemployment period, in October, people will start to come off of unemployment. We also know very importantly that at least as of the present moment, that federal bonus money of $600 extra a week is scheduled to terminate on July 31st. We also know that even if we're living in a normal market world, things do tend to cool and slow in August and September going into the fall. You know, the strength of the spring and summer market is largely behind us by August. So we also see infection rate rising. So these are some dark clouds that in combination make us feel that likely we're probably at the tail end of the sales surge. But of course, this could change. And one of the factors that could change it precipitously and most quickly is additional government stimulus. If they do that, we might have, you know, we we might have a longer period of strong sales. But, uh, you know, I I think a lot of the pent up up sales have have now burned off. A lot of the one-time household stimulus money, 150 million Americans got anywhere between 12 and $2,400 sent to their home. Likely much of that money by now may have been spent. So a confluence of factors suggest that, you know, we might see some strength through the rest of June and into July and perhaps start to cool by August. So, you know, that's not much more than 30 days from right now. That's true. So again, it, re- it reinforces the prescription stocking no more vehicles than you have in 30 days. And oh, by the way, once the retail sales surge diminishes, following that, the wholesale demand will drop. And, and oh, by the way, Lance, what we do expect in the wholesale market beginning in the third and fourth quarter is to see some of the rental car defleeting coming into the wholesale market. Mm-hmm. We also expect to see some of the lease terminations that were due earlier this year that were extended start to come back. So stop and think about that. Retail demand slows. That means that fewer dealers will be going to auction perhaps in the third and fourth quarter at the same time that additional supply may come into the market. So lower lower demand and higher supply in the wholesale market, you know what that means, right? Valuation drops. It may very well come to that. So if you happen to feel like King Kong right now because you can sell every car you get your hands on and you bought a lot of inventory right now and into July and things do slow down, you could find yourself August, September, and October with a lot of inventory that's aged and you had bought at the top of the market and it isn't going to be a good situation. 
So caution. Thank you, Dale. That's a, a, a good point. I, I am curious, though, the, this point of running your inventory, in a, the, the size of your inventory, in accord with your rolling 30-day total of retail sales. When you described that, it sort of made me wonder, were dealers doing that before the pandemic? And if they were, did it mean that they say, manage their way through it in better shape than dealers that weren't? Could you offer some color or context on that? Clearly. I mean, think about it. March 15th or so came, pandemic was declared, the world stopped in its tracks. You had inventory that you bought pre-COVID. And suddenly, the value of those vehicles were depressed by 10, 12, 15, in some cases, 18%. If you had a 60-day supply, you're in a much worse shape, shape than if you had a 30-day supply. Mm-hmm. So, so the fact is, is that those dealers that, that maintained a 30-day supply going into the COVID were insulated to much of the exposure of the market. It's always the case that, that when things go south, if you don't have excess inventory, you're going to be in better shape. But in all fairness, if you're sitting with a 30-day supply and the world lights up and suddenly, you know, sales surge as they did, and you have a 30-day supply, you might have sold a few less cars than if you had a 60-day supply. Mm -hmm. So I'll be the first to admit that it could cut both ways. But I want to tell you that over the course of time and experience, you you will find yourself in better shape if you stick to a certain discipline that allows you to have consistent, repeatable outcomes rather than hit and miss results. Because it's, it's the hit and miss results, that variability that often occurs in dealership sales operations that, that cause all sorts of tensions and problems. Too many people, too few people, too many cars, too much excess uh, inventory. It's just a better way to run a business is with consistent, consistent repeatable, disciplined process. And 30 days is that. Okay. Now, one one last question, Dale, I guess is, is we, if I step back for a minute and I think of, okay, uh, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm a dealer. I'll, I'll do my best to, to maintain my inventory at my 30-day rolling total of retail sales. But I'm thinking about those dark clouds you mentioned just a moment ago. What might I see? What might the indicators be at the time when those dark clouds are actually becoming trouble for me? What, what are the clues that maybe I should pay attention to or be looking for to avoid getting you know hammered and, and hit unsuspectingly? Well... Once you have your inventory, as I say, balanced at 30-day supply, it's it's your rate of sale. And and the beautiful thing is that your rate of sales is calculated and updated daily if you conduct yourself with the third rolling 30-day discipline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll see your sales rate drop off much faster if you track it day to day to day to day than if you just look up at the end of the month and say, how many cars did we sell? And, oh, okay, now it's time for us to adjust our inventory. If you're adjusting, if you're measuring your sales rate on a daily basis and adjusting your inventory on a daily basis, you've got your finger on the pulse, the most important pulse of, of your future, and that is the rate of sale. So, you know, I, I think dealers tend to think in monthly increments, how do we do last month? as an indicator of perhaps what next month might look like, but it is a much better uh, tool of measurement to, to every day 
say, what's our rolling 30? Because you'll notice in almost real time when it's ticking up or ticking down. And after a few days of consistent patterns of that, you are alerted to what the future might look like and therefore what you should do to prepare yourself uh, for that future, good or bad. And just one last point there, Dale, you know, uh, to that scenario you raised where if you're running to your 30-day total, that yeah, you might be in a situation right now where you, you don't have uh, sufficient inventory, you might lose a couple sales. But I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering, what's your recommendation if, if I hit a surge, I'm at the 30 and I'm, I'm light by, you know, 10 cars, do I get 20? or 15 or, or just by 10? What, what should I be doing? No, if, 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 if the gap between your, so if, if you're rolling 30 day sales is, is 100 cars and you got 90, you buy 10. Okay. You don't buy 20, you buy 10. If, 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 you're, if your retail rate is surging and you're short on cars, I get it. The, the natural tendency is to go out and buy 20. Right. But you know what? Get over it. Get over it. Okay. Well, Dale, thank you for taking time to join us for today's podcast. We always appreciate your insight and perspective. Well, it's my privilege. And, you know, let's stay in touch, Lance, because it is very dynamic. And as I said, today's June 26th. June or July 1st is right around the corner and the world could look very different. Indeed. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the V-Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson. And until next time, stay well.